Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of That's Entertaining. This week joining me is none other than Mr. Drew Freeman. Drew, where may people know you from? Oh man, um, hopefully everywhere. You know, that's my goal, is uh, to be uh, the guy that's just in like all of the shows and on all of the everythings, and they're just like, who the hell is this guy and why do I keep hearing about him? <laughs> uh, but generally, I'm, uh, I do two shows a week on the Rated M Gaming Network. I do Rated M for Podcast on Sundays. It's a general gaming podcast um, that we just talk about the, the week's news. Uh, we're about to kick off E3 Hype Month uh, for, for May. We're, we're, we're a little late into it. We had to skip last week, so we're, we're making up for it this weekend. Um, so we'll be doing predictions and all kinds of fun stuff for that. And then I also do uh, a Halo podcast called Podcast Evolved, and uh, that's a lot of fun. We, we really dive into the lore of the Halo universe, and uh, we just, we really geek it up, man. It's, it's probably one of my favorite things that I get to do each month, because it's just me and some friends who all go way back with Halo, and we just love to dig up characters or interesting tidbits and facts about this and that, so... That's generally where you'll find me, um, out there on the internets and the iTunes and the YouTubes and all that stuff. Cool. So you say you do, obviously, the Halo podcast, but you're wearing a Destiny shirt right now. So Uh-oh. where's the oh, Destiny man. podcast? <laughs> well, uh, you know, Guardian Radio's got it. They got it locked down. Um, like, there's no really no reason to try to... If you're thinking of making a Destiny podcast these days, like, don't even do it. Don't even do it. <laughs> uh, Guardian Radio Network has a handful of podcasts, and those guys really inspired me to get started doing what I'm doing. Um, so shout outs to Mark and all those guys. They're they're really badass. Uh, just fans, you know, sharing their enthusiasm and love for Bungie stuff, and that's really cool. But yeah, uh, actually, I just got into Destiny again tonight. Like I booted it back up for the first time in weeks, if not months, in like it's... a serious manner. So yeah. It's been months, probably, for me <laughs> since I've booted that up, that's for sure. You know, um, I was thinking about this when I was booting it back up. When Destiny was getting ready to come out, I was telling people and telling myself that this is going to be my World of Warcraft. <laughs> and I think it worked, because I think when World of Warcraft first came out, it wasn't what people thought it was going to be. It's not a world that you get lost in, a la Skyrim or something. You know, you don't really feel like you're in the world of Warcraft, so to, so to speak, because the MMO elements kind of overshadow the RPG elements in that situation. And there's a lot of that going on with Destiny. You know, the multiplayer first-person shooter aspect kind of outweighs the, like, characters and the world and the story and the lore. And I think people expected something and they got something else, but we've all been coming back. I mean, with, like, that game, it sold really well, it plays really well, it does everything it, it does really, really well, and now here we are months later, and I, I'm wagering to guess a year from now we'll be kind of going back every time they have a new carrot to dangle out in front of you, like a new location or new weapons or new things to bring you back, and that's what World of Warcraft has been for the last 10 years, you know? Yeah. 10 years? Has it been 10 years? Uh, World of Warcraft came out in 2005. Good 2000, Lord. Maybe 2006. Um, I feel old now. <laughs> it is very old. Yeah, it's over ten years old, or about to be ten years old. And uh, people just, you know, it's peaks and valleys. People come in and they 
for the new content and they play it a lot and then that kind of drips off and then you see you know headlines about six million people stopped playing world of warcraft this month but that's six million out of like the 15 million people that are playing world of warcraft this month so i think destiny is going to have a legacy like that where you mm-hmm. see people you know rush back to it and then they kind of trickle off and you have this hardcore dedicated fan base that will play from start to finish and uh i think they're doing they're doing something right over there yeah so i mean the only reason i stopped playing that game is because it was a lot of repetition I mean, it was like just doing the same thing over and over again, it seemed. But, you know, it, it was a fun game, mechanically sound. The last time I booted it up was to check out the last expansion pack because I got the season pass for it when I bought it. And the season pass, the first expansion was what? House of Wolves? Is that what it was? This this upcoming one in May is uh, House of Wolves. Okay. The first one was The Dark Below. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, with Crota and all the Crota stuff. Yeah. So that's that's what brought me back in the first time after being retired for a bit. And then I was going to go play all the story missions, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, again, just lost interest. Uh, you know, I mean, I, 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 that's kind of how it happened with me, too. I, I picked up Dark Below and I wanted to play the story stuff and get wrapped into this, you know, this this world and this lore and this situation that the Dark Below was referring to. But. It just doesn't. It's not designed that way. They just haven't done that yet. They haven't made a compelling narrative, um, compelling characters. They haven't devoted uh, enough time in screen space to like tell you a story start to finish yet. And there are interesting characters in that universe, but they're hidden under the mechanics. Mm-hmm. And I would rather play a game that plays better than it tells you a story then have a game that tells you a really good story but doesn't play very well, <clears throat> Walking Dead. So <laughs> I, I just think that <laughs> right now Bungie's doing what they can do. They're doing what they do really well. Make a game feel really good. It plays really good. It's a solid shooting experience, and they're doing something that's kind of unheard of in the console space before Destiny with this vast multiplayer world that kind of feels alive as far as encountering other actual players just out in the world and in the social spaces and it's it all kind of blends seamlessly together but i think that we're going to see this experience vastly improved upon in the next couple years i think you know that's that's what you get at the beginning of a console generation you get like rough sketches of what you're going to be experiencing the Mm -hmm. first assassin's creed is a a common thing to look back to and be like, remember how groundbreaking Assassin's Creed was just, it blew people's minds that there was this whole other element to the story and to the game that people didn't even know about before the game came out. And then people complained about it. In the later and then, days. Yeah, and then, and, and then <laughs> well, and then immediately, well, you know, you're right. People are complaining about it today, but immediately after that game came out, they were like, wow, this game sucks. <laughs> like it gets really repetitive you don't really want to complete it because grinding to the end, like the last third of that game is really rough, but it had some really interesting, unique concepts. And by the time we got to Assassin's Creed two and brotherhood, you know, they, they really fleshed them out and then you got to see what they, what they were envisioning here. And I think we're going to see that with destiny in the next couple of years and other games, Titanfall, all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, there's a whole lot of, you know, Ooh, this is cool. And then a couple of months later, you're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, when's I, The Witcher coming out? <laughs> that's soon, too. That's yes, going to sink a ton of time away. Um, but 
I can tell that you've listened to the show before because you've gone into seamlessly already what you've been playing and what you've been up to. <laughs> so continue on. Tell me, what else have you been entertained um, by? Well, uh, I, I finally rekindled my love-hate relationship with Gamefly. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm still on the hate side with oh, that. <laughs> man, it's so back and forth with that. You're just like, ooh, a game showed up in the mail. Yay, I get to play it. And then you're like, all right, I want the next one. And oh, this isn't what I wanted. And uh, you know, why is it taking so long for it to come back? And oh, Jesus. So, have they, have they fixed their mailing system yet? Because it was always super slow. Like, I had that and Netflix at the same time, you know, and Netflix was always really quick. And then I think Gameplay Netflix, was like slower. Even, even back then, even when, it, when they were both strictly uh disc based i think netflix has just always had a wider uh mailing infrastructure so no matter where you live you kind of get things at a consistent clip i actually don't know anyone who gets netflix uh discs anymore so it'd be really interesting to hear if they've like shut down a bunch of distribution centers because that would make sense for them in a business standpoint like why would you have this infrastructure for delivering discs to people when that was the primary way of watching things when now everybody watches Netflix on their PlayStation or their Xbox or their Apple TV or whatever. And uh, so that'd be really interesting to figure out. But I don't think Gamefly's picked up the slack. It feels exactly like it did like six years ago. You know, you're just like, I don't know. I, I've i talked to a few people. Um, I know Sean Messler, who used to be a co-host on Radio for Podcasts. He's over at Game Over Man now. He, he's like got this down to a science. So he, I mean, he used to like review stuff for websites that like they paid him to review it and stuff like that. And he had it down to, he'd know exactly when this game would get here. And even though it's like the launch week and stuff like that, but, uh, I don't know. It's really frustrating to want this one game and then it sends you another game. So now you have to go through the dance of being like, okay, do I just play this now and then send it back? Or should I send it back immediately and then hope that it gets back in time? But it, that's not what I'm playing. I'm not playing <laughs> uh, Gamefly Dance <laughs> on my Connect. I'm playing um, Watch Dogs. So I'm using Gamefly to go back through 2014 and play the games that I haven't played yet. So I played uh, Wolfenstein last month. Amazing game. I still haven't beat the... Uh, I've- yeah, I haven't beaten that game yet, and I want to because I want to play the new one that just came out. Uh, so you could play the new one. So the new one's twenty bucks, right? The old, uh, the old, the old blood is twenty mm-hmm. bucks, and you could play that because it's technically a prequel to the new order. Mm-hmm. So if you can get that sooner, since it's a twenty dollar download, I would go ahead and do that. But I, so I want to play it, but I wouldn't finish it. I, I would like play it for like a night, like for two hours, and say, okay, that's cool, and then I'll probably never go back to it again. That's probably that's probably what happened with the new order. I don't know how long the old blood is, to be honest. Um, I plowed through the new order in like a week or so. It's a very straightforward single player narrative based, like just straightforward linear shooter. But it's like one of the best straightforward linear shooters I've played since like. Oh, man, I would say Half-Life 2. I don't know. Yeah. This game keeps throwing me back to Half-Life. Honestly, the takeaway from Wolfenstein is, for me, I think Machine Games could make a Half-Life 3, and it'd be really good. So as just take that for what it is. The The world that they set up, the the, the environment and like the nature of the, of the oppressive Nazis and you kind of being on the run and hiding out in a little uh, like rebel camp thing under the city, like it feels like Half-Life 2. But with Nazis 
um, but I've been playing Watch Dogs, and I like it. I can see why people really criticize it, especially if you look at the arc of like when that game was announced and all that stuff. But it's a cool game. It's a lot of fun, and I and everyone refers to that game specifically when you're thinking of like the Assassin's Creed jump to Assassin's Creed two thing. Like everyone's hoping that this is just baby steps towards what they want to do with the Watch Dogs uh, franchise. And I've always thought it was weird. Um, people don't really talk much anymore about when Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag came out, all the present day stuff. There were these little hints and nods to the Bloom Corporation and Chicago and what's going on over there, which is literally what's going on in Watch Dogs present day. So does Watch Dogs take place in the Assassin's Creed universe? Like what the heck is cool. going on with this? They should um, do that. They should link them together. Yeah, it sounds like it could be cool. Uh, what's really funny is the two games share a very common element of having just boring protagonists, like really dumb <laughs> characters. Uh-huh. So uh, I, I believe it would work. So if that's how two-dimensional people are in the Assassin's Creed universe, then Watch Dogs fits right in. Uh, but that's what I've been up to. Uh, just rekindle my my relationship with Destiny tonight. And uh, and I think that's about it, man. I'm I'm looking forward to Batman right now. That's the next thing I'm really going to dive into. Yeah, they just they released a trailer. Uh, was it this this week that was officially announcing the voice cast and everything? So Kevin Conroy, obviously back as Batman, looking forward to that. It should be good stuff. Um, oh, the voices thing. Yeah, I was thinking actually when you started talking about that, I was thinking of the DLC stuff that they talked about. But yeah, the voices stuff came up today. The dude from um. From Breaking Bad is the voice of of Gordon for uh, Gordon Freeman, of uh, Jim Jeff Gordon. Go- Jeff Gordon, the Jim driving Gordon. guy, the Jeff Gordon, the NASCAR um, sidekick of Batman. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, uh, it, it, which was weird. It, I don't. I'm really curious now. Was he the voice of Jeff Gordon in uh, Arkham City and Arkham Asylum, or I don't know? Um, did they just like pick a different actor and spend some money on that guy for some reason? I don't know actually. Um... They revealed uh, some. They revealed some spoiler stuff today. With, oh, I, I've, uh, I've stayed away from that. It's in the DLC. Yeah. So Batgirl's playable, but they re- they revealed who she is in uh, in the Arkham Knight universe, which is interesting. Yeah. So I did see that little bit, and that is interesting. I'm looking forward to the game just to just to see because the last one or- Origins was a good story. But it just didn't really feel anything new. Like when you went from Arkham Origin or Arkham Asylum to City, there was that big step, right, where you had the city now and you could oh, yeah. glide around and everything. It was a lot more open. But now with with uh, Night, I'm looking to see if there's even a bigger jump between City and Night. So that'll be cool. But I believe you wanted to say Jim Gordon, not Jeff Gordon, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jim Gordon. Yeah, no, I was just making a joke about. I don't, I don't. There's so many. I, I get mixed up with all the characters in the Batman universe. They like the DC universe itself is massive, right? But for some reason, the Batman universe just feels like it has the most people, the most characters, and everyone has two names, like Oracle and Barbara Gordon, and like Batman and Bruce Wayne and uh, Catwoman and Selina Kyle, and and not to mention like Batman, Catwoman. Well, I don't know if Catwoman's ever been somebody else, but. Batman, Robin, all these famous characters have also been other people. So there's all these names, and I just mm-hmm. love trying to keep track of all that stuff. All right, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, I just did a quick little Google search for, you know, the 
portrayed by. And it hasn't been... In Arkham Asylum and Arkham City, it was two different people that did the voices, so now it's going to be a third different person to do his voice in this game. They just can't keep the same guy for this guy. Interesting. Well, you know, you just... Uh, it, the the funny thing about Jeff... Uh, sorry. <laughs> Jim Gordon. <laughs> the funny thing about Jim Gordon in uh, Batman Arkham Asylum was people were really confused because... So Batman's, like, ripped, right? Bruce Wayne is ripped in the first game. And he's standing next to Jim Gordon. And Jim Gordon looks like he's like a retired UFC fighter. <laughs> like, he is also ripped. And the, it's just like... Because it's... I think it's the Unreal Engine. And mm-hmm. so for most of the previous generation, the Unreal Engine, you basically had to have, like, beefy, huge, thick-necked, like, dudes. No matter what your game was about. Your game could be about, like... IT support guys in a in the back of a office max or whatever, but everybody looks like they bench two twenty or whatever. Like <laughs> it's ridiculous. And so it's funny that Jim Gordon has had multiple voice actors, but I bet you can't really tell the difference between them because they're all really gravelly. You know, hey Bruce Wayne, we gotta do this stuff. And mm-hmm. they all look he always looks like he's just this really buff old dude. <laughs> so I'm wondering how that plays into Gotham, the uh T V series, right? Is well, he like really ripped in the TV series? I'm sure <laughs> he is. I don't, I, don't, time. I don't. He's not lifting weights all the time, but I mean, he's played <laughs> by a. I, I hesitate to call him a pretty boy, but he was a guy that was on the OC, which oh, is okay. you know one of those sure. you know shows. But you you have to hit a certain level of pretty to be on on the OC or the WB or any of that stuff. That's true. The Very CW. True. <laughs> so. So that was all that you've been kind of entertained by recently, right? As far as games, any TV shows or movies? Well, um, let's see. I just wrapped up Mad Men, the first half of the final season, which is all that's on Netflix right now, last night. Um, so I need to go acquire the second half of the final season and watch that soon uh, before I stumble upon spoilers. Because it ended, I think, last month or two months ago. So it's still relatively fresh, so I don't think people are going to be, like, dropping jokes about it or headlines like, hey, remember that thing that happened in the final? Like, But I really want to catch that, finish that. Uh, I'm way behind in Supernatural, so I've been slowly plugging away at that on Netflix. Um, I finished Daredevil earlier this week, which we will talk about. Uh, I'm trying to get caught up in Arrow, so I've been watching Arrow on Netflix I'm way behind in that. I haven't watched any of The Flash, but I do. I did. I've already passed the point where The Flash spins off from Arrow, and I'm trying to finish season two of Arrow. I think I've got like four or five episodes left. It's gotten pretty ridiculous. Um, I have friends who haven't seen Arrow yet, and now that Daredevil's out, they're like, oh, I want to see Arrow and Daredevil and stuff. But people are putting out there, like, probably don't see Daredevil and then try to watch Arrow. Because right. Arrow is super corny, it's super like, ever like you said, everyone's beautiful in that show. Like every single person is like a model. Um, in Arrow, there's like obligatory topless dudes working out scenes. <laughs> like just there, there's definitely this a uh, a very pointed demographic vibe to it. Um, whereas Daredevil just feels like an all around good show, like good writing, good shooting, all good cinematography, all that stuff. So Arrow has accomplished a lot for modern comic book shows on television, but I don't think it holds up anymore in a post-Daredevil world. 
um, unless it's starting to kind of spin into a much more serious direction, which it feels like it could be because people get killed in that show. Like mm-hmm. some, some pretty brutal stuff goes down in that show. Well, in the first season, he was actually killing people instead of like not. Yeah, it's a little funny, right? Like he started off as a killer and it was a little annoying because he's killing bad dudes and everyone around him, the media, all of his friends, all of his family are talking about the hood and they're saying like, he's a murderer, you're a killer. And you're like, do you know what happened to him back on the island? Like this is, this is nothing. Everything yeah. like, it's so funny that it started off actually tone, like not tonally, but just subject matter wise, there was a lot more murder in the earlier part of the series. Usually a show like that, at least if you look back at like Smallville, it starts off really campy and dumb and then it gets a little more serious as you go along. But this feels like as far as the violence goes, it's less violent now, which is mm-hmm. a little weird. So, yeah, um, I've been watching those. Uh, I finally watched Archer Vice. I finally got caught up on Archer. And that, I am way behind in Archer. Dude. I love Archer. So I used to watch Frisky Dingo. I don't know if you've heard of that. I've or, heard of uh, that too, yeah. Or uh, C-Lab 2021. Mm-hmm. That's all the same guys. Like, they, they started making C-Lab, then they made Frisky Dingo. And Frisky Dingo is, like, one of my all-time favorite quotable shows. Machete Squad and uh, just all that all that stuff. Um, and then now Archer is the same thing for everybody. Phrasing, and that's how you get ants, and bok bok, and all these goofy things. But this show has gotten ridiculous. Like Vice is, especially with how it ends, it gets it gets so nuts, dude. Like I'm not gonna spoil anything for you just by telling you this because you're gonna forget. And also, there's context to it. But Cyril becomes like a dictator <laughs> at some point, which just makes no sense. And even when it happens, you're like, what? How? What is happening? Um, it's a lot like when Archer uh, Archer became like the leader of like this prison camp on this island in the middle of nowhere at, at, at some point in one of the earlier seasons, like that show goes all over the place. I love it. I love that show. Uh, so I'm caught up on that. And, uh, I think that's it, man. Is that on Netflix Archer? Yes. Uh, that's what, so that's primarily what I watch. I don't really have Hulu. Um, I don't keep up on what's available on Amazon prime, even though I have a subscription to that. And I pretty much never watch live television. So, Netflix, uh, the Pirate Bay, um, like <laughs> Xbox video, I'll download stuff off of that if I really, really want to like watch a movie that just came out and I don't feel like going to rent it on Blu-ray or something. Because uh, out here in West Texas, we still have places to rent videos, like movies, <laughs> actual movies and TV shows. It's weird. We do too, out here at Illinois. <laughs> yeah, dude, we have Hastings. What do you have? Uh, we have like a family video. That's what they oh, call it. Oh, family video is still a thing? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> They're actually Damn. more of an internet service provider now. They're they're providing what? fiber internet. <laughs> what to so, the so, area here? <laughs> so that's what Blockbuster should have done, huh? Just start yeah, up like much. a cell phone service or or an internet <laughs> internet service provider. Man, yeah. they miss their calling. <laughs> I know. So now that instead of because people aren't coming to them to get the movies that they have, they'll provide the way for people to get to Netflix to still watch movies and still get their chunk. So, for me. I I don't know if you've been paying attention to me recently on the shows, but I've been a a, a boring person with my housework tales. So oh, no. I'm still working on the house, getting it ready to sell. Hopefully within a couple of weeks we'll actually have it on the market. Everything will be done. So That sounds slightly important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've been working on that still, but I have been able to... There is light at the end of the tunnel now. 
Uh, the bathroom is mostly done, so I've been able to actually relax a little bit and catch up on some TV shows. So I've caught up on like Brooklyn Nine Nine on Hulu. I've heard um, I really need to see that. Oh, that is hilarious! If if you get a chance, you should watch that. Uh, I caught up on that um, Gotham because they had just had the series finale or the season finale. Um, Agents of Shield, obviously, before and after Avengers, there is a, a tie-in episode for for before and after. And then caught up with Arrow, not Arrow. What am I saying? Flash, because <laughs> uh, Flash is really good. I like Flash a lot, um, but that's again a CW so, show. Tell me about Flash. Tell me about Flash as far as like just an overall show compared to Arrow. I've heard it's actually even campier, like kind of a, a lot more lighthearted show. Is that accurate? It is more lighthearted because the character Flash is a lot more lighthearted than the character of Arrow, like just- Spider Man versus Iron Man. Yeah. Like Spider-Man's a little like a light-hearted guy versus like Iron Man's like a, a drunk psychopath. Well, <laughs> Iron Man's not a drunk psychopath, but he is a drunk and he is a sociopath. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I would compare it to, let's say Spider-Man because Spider-Man's more of a, a Joker in the comics anyway. He kind of you know has those one-liners and is right. more light-hearted. Yeah, compare him to like the Punisher. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So All that right. would be kind of like your di- dynamic there between those two. So Arrow and Flash would be like Spider-Man and Punisher, except reverse. There you go. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, and that then... makes sense. Yeah, I, see, I see what you're saying now. <laughs> so uh, it is it is a lot, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily campy, but there are like the villains of the week type thing and then the, the, the superpower stuff because in Arrow... There aren't really superpowers, but in Flash, yeah. everybody has powers. Okay, okay. Well, that's good to know. Like, I've been wondering when we're going to get full-on... It's so dumb to say this, because, like, even the even the stupid spinoff... Well, it's not a spinoff, but this, like, unknown uh, PlayStation-only show, Powers. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I see like, that. like, people just have powers, and it's interesting because that's, like, the the norm and so when you see people like really doing amazing things and they don't have powers they stand out um so with this like you're watching like i've been watching arrow and in this season there are more characters in the second season especially the second half of the second season than throughout the whole first season and none of them have superpowers Mm. (laughs) like like one guy has powers but it's because of this drug that he like took and whatever like that's not that's not superpowers that's that's not like bit by a radioactive spider and stuff like right. that it's it's really weird to be watching a show with everybody wearing masks and in jumpsuits and get ups and stuff but you're just watching it and you're like none of these people can fly why am i watching this <laughs> uh-huh. i always think it's funny like when you compare arrow and, and flash because obviously they call them metahumans in the Flash, the people oh, okay. that have powers. Yeah. So evidently they're all just staying around Central City and sure. they're not leaving wherever they're from there, so that way they don't cross over into Arrow's universe or yeah. anything. Well, so, I heard there's a lot of crossovers in Arrow though. Well there or, are well, so, in in the Flash to Arrow. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of uh, like characters like you know, Barry will go over to an episode for the Flash or maybe one of the supporting oh. characters will or vice versa. But, like, the villains or, like, you know, the superpower people, I, I at least I haven't heard of it yet. I don't think Arrow has fought in any of them yet. Probably except not. Except in no, the Flash. Every, everybody Arrow fights is, like, just some dude. Yeah. Like, just some jerk off who who's, like, I don't know, threatening people with a gun or something. Like, it's it's really weird. 
it's it's weird to watch, especially since so Avengers just came out, and I just saw Avengers, and uh, you know we have a little more interesting things happening in the in the movie universe. You're getting more. I don't want to say fantastic because I don't want to reference Fantastic Four at all, <laughs> but you're getting more crazy stuff with like the Guardians of the Galaxy, Doctor Strange is coming, Ant Man's coming out this summer, so you're getting stuff that's a lot more on the nose of like, hey, look, th- these people are like not normal human beings. Whereas even in the Avengers, uh, there were criti- critics were kind of pointing out like, there's a lot of it that just reminds you that these are people, like Iron Man even Captain America, he's just a dude. He has a heart, you know, he's a, a human. And then you stand, you stand him next to like the Hulk or, uh, Thanos or somebody like that. And you're just like, well, these, I mean, these are super crazy levels of, of difference here. And we're about to have Superman kicking Batman and stuff. Like it's just interesting to watch a whole show that is about being in the Marvel universe and like no one has anything special going on. They're all just fighting and they're all just, they have stress and, and emotions and it, it's really, it's weird. I think it's weird. That's why I'm really excited for uh, stuff like um, infinity wars and stuff like that. Like that's going to be fun. That's just mm-hmm. going to be ridiculous. I really, really hate, hope they make a space Hulk movie. Um, and I'd like to see the stuff on the small screen, get a little more uh, fantastic there. I said it. There you go. You finally got it off your chest. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So I, mean, I, I wouldn't mind. Sorry. No, I, I'm sorry. I wouldn't mind a live action recreation of like the classic '90s X-Men. That would like, be that would be great, but they couldn't do it. This I mean, today they they'd have to they change could, everything because the X-Men's about to end. Like this next. So the news came out today. I know we're not doing news, but it's it's relevant here that. Hugh Jackman is no longer going to be the Wolverine mm-hmm. after the next Wolverine movie. And, you know, we had first class days of future past. And then what's the next one? Age of apocalypse. Like, mm-hmm. I think at that point after that, the X-Men universe, hopefully will go back to Marvel. Hopefully. I don't know how likely that could be, but hopefully it goes back to Marvel. And then I would love to see X-Men as a property just completely redone and reintegrated into the Marvel cinematic universe. And, do that with a TV show. Like, just get a small squad. You don't have to, like, cover every X-Men ever. But just have, like, Cyclops and Storm and Beast and Professor X and have them going up against the Juggernaut and Sabretooth and and Magneto and, and all those dudes. Like, just have it be a normal t- weekly TV show or, like, a Netflix series or something like that. But it's not anything that is even remotely, like, normal and human the way Arrow and the flash and even Gotham taking place in like a city. You know I mean? X-Men's always been like just all over the place and just having beast and juggernaut and stuff like that out there. There's nothing normal about that. Yeah. And I'd love to see that. That'd be interesting just to have it all like that. They, there was a show, I think it was back either in the late nineties or early two thousands called <sighs> mutant X. Uh, hmm. There was yeah. There was some kind of mutants show that was just like, but it was like teenagers and kids, right? And like, they had powers or something. And yeah, there, there's been some of that. Like, I'm not saying it hasn't existed, but when you have recognizable iconic characters, that pulls in the cachet that 
that exists today in society for comic book, like recognizable comic book characters. That's why people show up. I mean, that's why Amer- the Avengers sell so well. It's because you have these, you have this prowess. It's like, oh, well, this is a Marvel thing. I'm going to go see it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy was proof that you could sell millions of tickets to a movie with literally not one recognizable character in it. And it still does really well because it's just a good show and it's and Marvel's characters are really good. And then we're going to see with Ant-Man this summer that you can have like kind of a really obscure character pull in a lot of people. I'm sure Ant-Man will do well. I don't know if it's going to be a very good movie. I'm kind of back and forth on that, but I'm sure it'll do well. So if you took the premise of any of these and took away the Marvel name and the characters names and their backstories and like the attachment of all the people who are like, Oh yeah, you know, you should go see this movie because these characters are really cool because I'm a comic book nerd and I'm telling all my friends that it's, it's legit. You should go check it out without that. It's not, it doesn't work like those games, those movies wouldn't sell, you know I mean? Even though it's a cool premise. And so, you know, I've seen TV shows with people with powers and, you know, trying all these story story arcs and stuff with superhuman abilities and stuff like that. But without the Marvel name or without the word X-Men on it or something, just people don't show up. Yeah. They don't want to see it. Yeah, the Marvel name carries a lot of weight, <clears throat> especially right now, because you get, like, with with Daredevil, like what we're talking about, you know, it says Marvel's Daredevil. And then the Avengers was Marvel's Avengers, you know, back uh, in 2012 when that came out. Or was it 12 or 11? I can't remember. But yeah, the Marvel name carries a lot. DC has got to rebuild their name, really, because all the the only thing they built Man. was Dark Knight. That's the only name that they built. And that was all. I mean, so did you think of it as DC's Dark Knight? What did you think of it as? What was the Dark Knight known as? I mean, the Chris, Dark Knight was Christopher always, Nolan's Batman's yeah, Begins. Christopher exactly. Nolan's Dark Knight. Like Christopher Nolan did that. He became like the Spielberg of Batman movies. But you know, now with like Man of Steel didn't even really I, that that like underwhelmed people somehow, but that's because Superman's a really hard character to put in a movie. It's just a bad idea. I I think there shouldn't be a uh, a solo Hulk movie unless it's Space Hulk because Space Hulk is awesome. But like just the Hulk or whatever, I've never thought any of that has ever worked because it's just one of those situations where you're waiting for the character to do that one thing that he does. And then when he does it, like what's the point of the rest of the movie Mm -hmm. and Superman's the same way you're waiting for him to fly and flip over a building and do all that stuff. And then after that, like how, how do you make it compelling for him to matter? And they tried to do it with making Zod this like ridiculous character, but I don't even think they nailed that. I think a doomsday movie would be the only way a Superman movie would be like really well received. You could make, Superman versus Doomsday or Superman Doomsday or the death of Superman into a like three-part film a la The Hobbit if you really wanted to mm-hmm. I think that would work but short of that those things don't work and I totally forgot why we we're talking about that I'm sorry <laughs> that's fine I was just gonna say though but uh like with with Superman you you say that you want to see him fighting someone else like a super-powered guy right but really who's his number one villain uh, a, a random human being guy, just Lex Luthor, Lex bald Luther. face standing there going, hey guys, I'm going <laughs> to trick this superhero dude into doing something stupid. Well, so that's the thing, right? Is Superman is not the smartest guy. He's the strongest, or, you know, of, of the Yeah, he's always humans. been a little aloof for some reason. Yeah, so he he's always, 
a person like Lex Luthor is really able to manipulate or outsmart and turn the tables. And when Superman has to use his brains to solve a situation rather than using his brawn, mm-hmm. that's where it gets interesting. Where he, you know, he's struggling because he is an alien. We always kind of forget that because he looks like a human. But he is an alien trying to become, to know what humanity is and what humanity means. You know, and I think that was better represented with the Christopher Reeve Superman, you know, where he was always trying to save the people. Whereas in The Man of Steel, he was destroying Metropolis. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, in, in The Man of Steel, buildings fell and everything, right? But in, I think it was Superman 1 or 2, when Christopher Reeve Superman is fighting Zod in the streets, there's a, a bus full of people. He's like, no, the people! Yeah. You know, he, he sees the, the, everybody, you know? So that's kind of kind of lost a little bit on the the Christopher Nolan one. The Man of Steel Superman didn't does not have the love of humanity that Superman traditionally has has built. And I think that's what comes next, right? Or it's supposed to. It's I mean like, like that's what you would see next. I don't think that's going to happen here with Batman versus Superman, but at the end of Man of Steel, he becomes Clark Kent and goes to work at the Daily Planet. Like his first day at the Daily Planet is like the final scene of Man of Steel. So you're assuming that after that, he builds this love of humanity. And I mean, he saves people and he does that in Man of Steel, but he doesn't do it out of this, like this love affair. Like you're saying with this, like fascination with the human race. And it was, it was missing. It was missing in that movie. Um, I remember why we started talking about Superman and let's, let's wrap back to that real quick. DC's got a (laughs) not really great, rap sheet right now they're not really doing it and like we were saying like marvel you put marvel's name and it does i mean it doesn't hurt that marvel's name is actually an extension of the disney name now so when you put marvel's name on something you're actually stamping the big disney dollar sign onto something Mm -hmm. it just does gangbusters and i'm sure there will be a day soon that we'll see a marvel movie come out and it will do surprisingly not as well as the previous one because that's just how that's time you know, eventually mm-hmm. people are going to be like, all right, I've, you know, I, I can skip this next one. I'll just pick it up on Blu-ray or whatever. Um, and I hope that's right after Infinity Wars is over because uh, I don't know, man. Like, I really want that stuff to do really well. I think it's the Thanos stuff. They've been playing so hard towards that. And it's taken a lot longer than I think any of us expected it to. Mm-hmm. But I hope it pays off because that's that could be really cool. The only other like plot line in my head, because they're already doing Civil War. The only other major Marvel plot line that could be really cool is Other M. And technically they could do that now because they introduced Scarlet Witch. But without Magneto and some of the X-Men guys, like you just can't pull it off because uh, they don't have the rights to those characters. So it wouldn't work. Um, I think DC needs to they need to get a win here. And I don't know if this movie is going to do it. I oddly enough wonder if Aquaman's going to do it. Because everybody wants to see more Jason Momoa. I think they're the most interesting shot when you look at DC that they're going to have to really make their mark is Wonder Woman. Yeah, because that could, you know, that could fill a gap that Marvel's got a black eye right now with this stupid controversy about uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson and the whole thing with Black Widow and everything. 
it, it would be interesting to see if DC beats them to the punch of having really strong female characters, even though I think there are truly strong female characters in the Avengers universe so far. I mean, look at Pepper Potts. Like, she 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 really puts Tony in his place, and she runs a multi-billion dollar, like, industry, you know, but that's all off-camera, and mm-hmm. that's not, like, superhero-level stuff, so it doesn't technically count here, but... It would be interesting to see Wonder Woman handled really well for the first time ever mm-hmm. in, on, like, a major level. Um, so you're right. That could be really good for them. But I don't know if that draws in a lot of people. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Wonder Woman's obviously an iconic character, and so that'll be their first big shot to kind of make their stand, you know, in that kind of field. Yeah, the first non, non-Batman, non-Superman DC yeah. movie. And then Marvel, their first female Wonder female movie is going to be Captain Marvel. I'm not sure which comes out first between that and Wonder Woman, but one of them is coming uh, out first. Hasn't Wonder Woman been delayed? Or I know directors and writers and stuff have been falling off of both of those quite a bit. I don't know. A lot of that stuff's been juggling around. <laughs> I think it's so. I think Wonder Woman is 2017. Okay. Captain yeah, Marvel, I, I think, is around there around there too well with uh batman versus superman being 2016 i don't see anything else from dc really like catching mm-hmm. um what i wanted to kind of segue into if you don't mind uh let is... me finish one more thing with my oh, yeah, what i've actually been playing <laughs> oh so... yeah <laughs> so i've got i've caught up on my tv shows and i've also today actually got to play my first game in a long time uh <laughs> Star Wars pinballs table. So I got the new the new pinball tables for the pinball effects on my Xbox. So that, oh okay, so that's an Xbox game. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember if it was only on PC or if it was on console also. Yeah, so Zen Pinball makes it for like iPhones, PC, Xbox, PlayStation, <laughs> and I think on play or on Xbox, I think it's called Pinball FX Two. Yeah. Um. So I got on Star Wars Day, May Fourth. Right. They had. Uh, the, a lot of the tables on sale, so I picked up all the tables that I didn't have. And so before uh, we recorded tonight, I actually launched all of them and played through all of them at least once. That's just to make sure that I played them at some point. So, <laughs> but yeah, that was my uh, my gaming for the week too. But yes, now if you'd like, we can segue into an additional discussion point. I would like to, if you don't mind, talk just briefly about what we're about to see. Since I'm kind of bringing this the gaming element in here, <laughs> sorry, the gaming element is we've seen this bubble really build on uh, comic book movies and comic book TV shows now, and comic books in general are like the new hot thing. And with Star Wars in its own bubble, we're not going to Star Wars doesn't count. So aside from Star Wars, you there can't is, say Star Wars isn't count. Star Wars, Star, is, Star Wars is its own thing. It's not. <laughs> I mean, like I don't think of Star Wars as like rekindling everyone's interest in sci-fi. So like with Blade Runner coming and uh, you know another Alien movie. Like I don't think that I don't think Star Wars has anything to do with that. Star Wars only makes people think of Star Wars. It doesn't make them go like, oh man, I can't wait to see another Dune, or I hope they make <laughs> another Ender's Game. Like. It, no, it just makes people want more Star Wars, which is really got to say something about that brand. But what I want to see happen next, because the bubble's about to burst. So like I was saying before, you know, I hope it sticks long enough that Infinity Wars does well. And then after Infinity Wars, you know, it's really up in the air as to whether or not Marvel 
Disney, DC, Warner Brothers, all these properties, Sony, who owns a bunch of like Spider-Man and X-Men and stuff like that, Fantastic Four. If any of that sticks past like 2020, I'll be surprised because I think that you'll just see diminishing returns on um, people's interest levels as a like just a meta thing of human of society going like, man, super superhero characters are awesome. Like, man, it really looks amazing. I think by then there will be something new and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it's video games. Like, I think the Warcraft movie next year has potential to capture millions of people who have never even looked at a video game in the last few years as more than just a thing to kill time or play the next football game or whatever. Like, I think that could capture a lot of attention. And then Assassin's Creed is lined up with Michael Fassbender. And then we could have that Halo movie finally. And we have (laughs) other stupid things like Gran Turismo and stuff are having movies. I don't know. Um, But I think that Warcraft has potential to be like the one to kind of it, it could be the Iron Man or the Be- the Batman Begins of the video game movie like buzz or whatever you want to call it. It I'm has really potential hoping that, that happens as long as Pixels doesn't sour everybody's impression <clears throat> of video games movies. <laughs> I'm okay if Pixels comes out, nobody watches it and it goes straight to DVD and then I can buy all those DVDs and just poop on them. Because that looks like the biggest affront to... Oh, God. But you know what? There were there were comic book movies that were crap that were coming out at the same time as like Iron Man and Captain America and stuff too. Like Catwoman came out around the time as Batman Begins, right? Or like shortly before it? It was in... I think it was shortly after, yeah. So, like, I don't think Pixels has... It, it has potential to be that, like, to kind of take a step back for gaming as a, like, legitimate thing. I think people could look at it and be like, oh, yeah, video games. But <laughs> I hope people aren't stupid enough to think that Pac-Man, Centipede, and, and, like, Asteroids and stuff like that is what video games are today. Because they're not. I mean, you have, like, Gone Home and Last of Us and Gears of War and Halo. And, I mean, like, they just, it ranges all over the place now. And... I think the the traditional comic book is being served really well, but I think the non-traditional comic book is being served really well in, in movies too, with like Guardians of the Galaxy and Doctor Strange coming. I think that you could get a really wide variety of, of video game movies out there to kind of remind people that, hey, video games are more than just what your preconceived notion of what a video game is. It's not mm-hmm. just Grand Theft Auto and Madden. You know, there's some really interesting stuff out there. And I think you Assassin's got the Last Creed, of Us. Yeah, I'm back and forth on The Last of Us movie as a concept. Because the biggest thing about The Last of Us was your investment in the character. Like, when Joel's daughter dies at the, in the first 10 minutes of the game, spoilers, like, <laughs> if you watched a movie where a guy was sitting on his couch and he's just having a little banter with his daughter, and then, like, it cuts to. Like zombies, and then she gets shot and she dies in the first 10 minutes of the movie. By the end of the two hour movie, you're like, oh yeah, man, that was crazy. But when you're playing it and you play as her first, like that's, you don't even play as Joel first in the game. You play as her. So instantly you empathize with her. You control her. You're, you're, she's getting scared as she explores what's going on, as you're exploring what's going on. I mean, she's a vessel for you to get curious about this outbreak and 
what's happening in this house and now you're in the back of the truck as it's going through the town and all that stuff. If this was all done in a movie, it loses a lot of its weight. It loses a lot of its teeth. And I'm afraid that The Last of Us as a film would lose a lot of the weight that gives it so much reverence in the gaming universe. But here's the thing about video games in terms of movies. They're not for gamers. They're for people who don't play video games. Like, that's the point. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, it could be a great film. You know, but then you have gamers out there who are like, that was terrible. <laughs> it was no well, that's yeah, what happens with comic like, books, right? Exactly. And you'll have like people who like Ender's Game, for instance, right? That Ooh. was a book originally and it was a a good book. And then they made the the movie and some I never read the book, but a coworker of mine, uh, he I asked him what he thought of Ender's Game, the movie, after he's like, oh, it was horrible. I mean, they, they did this and this to the characters and it was horrible. So you know, people who play the video games, like Last of Us they go and see the movie, they'll have that same kind of, you know, attitude towards it because they've played the source material. They know what it is. They've spent more than the two and a half hours in movie theater with it, so they have more of a, an understanding of everything happening in the game or in the story. So, but yeah, I mean, obviously, you look at a game like Assassin's Creed or something like that where you're more, you're not really interpreting the story that you would get in the game because usually those are longer than you would anyway, but you're kind of just interpreting the setting you're interpreting the style yeah it's like a bigger takeaway it's just mm-hmm. a broader stroke but then you know the last of us itself is a really interesting case study for like trying to take a video game a really really good video game and legitimize it as a movie because the last of us was super informed by the road which was a great book that was turned into not a very good movie <laughs> and it's just like well how many times here until we just get not a very good product i mean people think uncharted right well uncharted it's indiana jones Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you can't make an uncharted movie that isn't like this is like a better or not so good version of indiana jones i mean at that point you should start looking at something that's a little more off the beaten path like bioshock or assassin's Mm -hmm. creed which is a really interesting unique take on a, a theme or an element you know good versus evil corporates versus like it, the, from the way they make it sound, modern day assassins live like on, in like, villages out in the middle of nowhere in Idaho or something. So like, you have this, this relevance, and then you put this really interesting spin on it, where most of the movie takes place in like whatever time period you pick for the film. So it could be really interesting. I don't know. I'm just hoping that that's what happens next, though. I want video games to get the, the love and adoration that comic books have had over the last like decade or so in movies and in television so yeah you could see that because i mean the people who are making the movies now are the people who read those comic books when they were you know a kid so people who are playing games now in 10 years or so are going to be the people that are making movies and so they're going to be like hey i played this great game let's take some ideas from it let's use this ip and make something from it because that would make sense because it'll make a good show well if you take like you look at uh, Chronicle, um, and then he he did uh, didn't he do the um, the time travel movie last year or something? Like you you see some directors who are doing things today, like uh, people who are working on Hunger Games, people who are working on this Divergent crap. Um, you put those people in charge of like a not so expensive franchise, like a. Uh, 
I shudder to say Tomb Raider because Tomb Raider is a stupid history in, in movies. But take like a... Hmm, I think we could use Alan Wake as an example, even though Alan Wake, like they really want to make an Alan Wake movie anyways. But take, take like... Forget Max Payne ever existed as a, as a <laughs> film. And then you do that with like the the budget and talent of like a a divergent or insurgent or twilight or something like that like a teen you know easy can't be but like you could make it a good film all you need to do is put a good writer on it and then all of a sudden you have a good movie like those movies have production values and quality levels that aren't bad for like the beginnings of seeing something like that because I, I don't expect like warcraft's a really odd example because it's a super expensive movie it's a super expensive franchise this is a huge swing so it has potential to really miss but mm-hmm. if you start modest you know like batman begins iron man and stuff those were great movies when they came out but they weren't like breaking box office records and they weren't costing like beyond anything ever like the way Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy and the Dark Knight Rises and stuff like that if you kind of take baby steps then you can earn the right to make you know like Halo 3 the movie and stuff like that like I would never want it called that but yeah <laughs> you get what I'm saying I you know as you were talking about that because I'm I'm a Star Wars fan so sure. I, I I like you know the space aspect of things but thinking of from a video game point of view and maybe it's just because you said Warcraft, and I was thinking Blizzard, but you know, Starcraft would make an excellent series. Jim Rayner is a great character. Like he mm-hmm. would be a great. Ca- you could find someone and have that guy be Jim Rayner, and he he would really wrap people into that universe. And you're right, Starcraft has a great storyline that's a little cliche, but that's kind of okay at this point. Like. Aliens happened like almost 30 years ago now, so everything's going to kind of feel like Aliens or Starship Troopers or any of that stuff. And StarCraft has, Blizzard's always done a great job of taking something like Lord of the Rings or Starship Troopers or Aliens and going like, hey, so you know this thing that we all like a lot? Why don't don't we just make our version of it? And -hmm. then it turns out to be like the best version ever. Like you'll never make a better version of what StarCraft is and base it off of like star Wars or something. It just won't happen. Um, so yeah, no, I, I would totally agree that Starcraft could really, that could be a great franchise for the, if Warcraft does really well, it would be smart for them to be like, Hey, you, you know, like if people go to see the Warcraft movie, cause they keep hearing about it. And then next thing you know, they're like, okay, from the makers of Warcraft comes this other movie and people are just gonna be like, what? There's more like those guys make other stuff too. This is crazy. I thought they just made world of Warcraft and that was it. Mm-hmm. And then the, the sales and stuff are going <laughs> to you know, go from there, too, because people will see the movies, and then they'll see, like, oh, I want to know more about this universe. Mm-hmm. They'll buy the games and everything else. You know, comic books have really... <laughs> I mean, they have come back from the dead so hard. Like, they were just dying. When everything went digital, they, they've, they've done a great job of making the leap into the digital realm. But comic books, probably, I wouldn't be surprised if they were at their lowest. And then, like, Iron Man and X-Men and Spider-Man and Batman and all that stuff started doing really, really well. And now we're in a world where people know who the... Why do people know who Star-Lord is? I've never even heard of (laughs) Star-Lord before that movie came out. Like, 
people know so much more about comic books. And now we have kids who are growing up going, I am Groot. And they're like, they love comic books. So that's going to feed back into that industry heavily. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, every kid, when you get born, they just hand you an iPad. Like, they're going to have access to DC and Dark Horse and all that stuff just right off the gate. So I think comic books are going to do really well based off of the notoriety of all their films. And yeah, games could totally do that. I think games could do almost better if you think about it, because I personally feel like gaming as a medium is like the perfection of entertainment today. It's the modern version of, of what the pinnacle of entertainment is today. And it's because you get wrapped in the world you get investment that you'll never get from watching a movie or going to a theater or reading a book or listening to an album or something you get it all at once and you get to interact with it and uh when you get these characters and you fall in love with them the way that kids are falling in love with like star lord and wolverine and iron man but then you get to go play as these characters in their own tales and learn about them by, you, you know, if, if kids love Master Chief the way that like I love Master Chief after reading the books and playing the games for 10 years. If kids see a movie or start watching TV shows about, you know, Spartans and Halo and stuff, and then they get to go play the games and really feel like they're part of that universe. I mean, that's so much more. Same with Warcraft. I mean, imagine imagine this Warcraft movie really taking off and then... Next thing you know, World of Warcraft goes free to play. You'll have 20 million people signing up to play that game. Because Isn't it already free to play? It's not yet. It's not? You can play up to like level 20 oh, for okay. free. But no, it's uh, it's still a $15 a month for the last 10 years. Free to taste. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, I think gaming could really benefit. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a two-sided street, man. I mean, one prospers, so is the other symbiotic relationship absolutely you know i mean that's that's also we've seen that you know the dark knight did really well and then what what came out at the same time batman arkham asylum everybody wanted to play batman because batman was just killing it on t- on the movie screen so mm-hmm. yeah same with star wars here <laughs> um infinity 3.0 is introducing star wars characters to disney infinity right next to the video the movie coming out this year Star Wars is, like I said, is kind of its own thing because it's its own mega brand, but that all helps. It all feeds into itself. It's it's beautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And that's why they're timing, you know, Battlefront releasing a month beforehand because the movie, the hype is going to be at a fever pitch at that point. Everyone's going to want to be a stormtrooper running around. So they'll be able to be part of a movie at that point, relive the, the big battles that made them love the show or the movies, you know, when they were younger anyway, so... I mean, it'll be great. I mean, I would agree that, you know, in 10 years' time or so, when we get to the point where comic book movies have kind of waned a little bit, video game movies, maybe, because they've they've tried, you know, like you said, Tomb Raider and some other stuff. They tried Battleship. Resident Evil, man. They tried Resident Evil. Evil. Silent Hill. They've they've tried a lot of different video games, really. but (laughs) Yeah. They had had a lot of those, too, like, that were direct-to-movie or direct-to-DVD. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they've done the, the, the show with Halo. Uh, they did the the Forward Into Dawn. They did the... So they had Forward Into Dawn one. and Nightfall. And those Nightfall. were promotional things. Like, Nightfall is a, a build-up for Halo 5. But there is a Steven Spielberg-produced TV series coming this year. 
and I'm really hoping that it's really good. <laughs> like I, mm-hmm. I want it to be good so bad. I think Microsoft's not stupid. They, if they're making a show that's going to be the face of Halo, you know, I mean, the video games sell a lot, but TV shows, especially if it's going to be, I think it's going to be on Showtime. There's potential for more people to watch that show on a given week than be playing Halo online at one, you know, in one week. And <laughs> if that show isn't on the like the level of quality that people expect today, I mean, we're in a post Breaking Bad, gaming, uh, Game of Thrones, Mad Men, Walking Dead, Dexter. I mean, True Blood, when it, like when True Blood first came out, that was blowing people's minds. Like the, the level of quality has quickly ascended in television. And if they put out a show that feels like it should have been on sci-fi, like just randomly throughout the week, that's it, they're going to lose a lot of respect from the public. So mm-hmm. it's really risky to do what they're doing unless they do it really well. Unfortunately, they're kind of one for two. Like Forward Into Dawn was, especially if you go back and watch it now, really really impressive for the budget they had but nightfall was like man i really wanted to like it it felt like so watching nightfall felt like what i thought watching prometheus was going to feel like so when (laughs) so i'm a huge alien fan i go way back uh i've loved alien since i was like 12 um my sister when i was growing up was like the spitting image of sigourney weaver so she would actually like get stopped in the malls and stuff, and people would be like, "Oh my God, you're Sigourney Weaver!" And she's like, "No, no, Sigourney Weaver's older than me, but thank you." <laughs> um, it, but I, I I love Aliens. But when Prometheus came out, I had heard people say like, "If you're a huge Alien fan, don't watch this movie," and uh, if you're a huge Halo fan, I think Nightfall is just gonna <laughs> you off. <laughs> I had to agree with that. I it I wanted great. to like it. Yeah. It was it was a good attempt, but poorly it, executed. It had some interesting things to it. I mean, it had like the second stories thing, the interactive element. If you're watching on the Halo Those channel, those were more interesting than cool. the actual story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a pretty common consensus. Um, <laughs> what's really funny though is, I think the main flaw of that show was it was all about Locke, and he's the least interesting character in the show. Like it didn't make any sense. <laughs> And mm-hmm. that's always what made me what's made me nervous about a Halo property going to film is there's potential for it to all be about Master Chief and he's the least interesting character on the screen because you get this image in your head of Master Chief just being the silent guy who runs around shoots things and pushes buttons and then you know the character is Cortana and mm-hmm. the character is like Captain Keys and Sergeant Johnson. So yeah, I don't know. I I really hope the show turns out better than what we've seen so far with nightfall um but it's got to like you they got to know what they're going up against so we'll see you'd hope so yeah well that was an interesting topic and i had a couple other topics but you know we're we're already about an hour and we haven't even started talking about our (laughs) our movie actually our show for this week yeah we kind of alluded to it a little bit sure so listeners as you may have felt or noticed we kind of didn't discuss any news this week um i threw some stuff in there yeah <laughs> drew, drew threw some things in there he, he kept you informed <laughs> but you know really I, I i think that going forward if there's an interesting like news bit 
we'll mention it. Yeah, we'll but probably I think talk really, about it because it's, like you yeah. said, it's a conversational podcast, right? So it'll come yeah. up in conversation if mm-hmm. it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, if it's worth discussing, if it if it flows. Because, you know, there was a lot of news articles that, that were out this week, but they were like, you know, I don't really care, honestly, about right. this. It is news. It, it fits, but I don't care about it. So Nintendo's making a theme park. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> and then there was a Nintendo, I think there was a Nintendo Direct recently, and uh, yeah, it was, was about something. Splatoon and yeah. I, I mean, I could have regurgitated the news at that point, but I'm like, eh, I don't really even care. No, I, th- I think it's a smart decision to, uh, you know, like we said, like like you like you're trying to have the show be a conversational thing, and so it, if it comes up in conversation, then cool. I mean, I could talk to you for the next half hour about Mad Max, but let's talk about Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds good to me. So, without further ado, Drew, join me as we discuss our topic for this week and our entertaining thoughts. No, I'm not going to. I'm going to leave now. Bye. This week, we are talking about Daredevil, the 2003 film starring Ben Affleck, Jennifer Garner, and... I can't remember what Jennifer his name Garner. Was. Who, who? Oh yeah, yeah. no. Um, uh, who played Bullseye? Deadshot was. Bullseye was Colin Farrell. Is it Bullseye or Deadshot? It's Deadshot. Bullseye. Uh, Arrow. Am I mixing Dead, those up? Deadshot's DC. Yeah. So Bullseye was uh, Colin Farrell. Yeah. Yeah. Not Colin Firth. Yeah, I wanted to say Colin Firth, but I was like, no, he's a pretty boy. I, he's the one that's always in the British TV shows that my wife watches. <laughs> um, but no, 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 we are we are not talking the 2003 Daredevil, though I did watch the trailer for that uh, before we recorded tonight, just to remind myself oh, it's about so it. Bad. It's so bad. Oh, God. And you know, I, I never saw Elektra. And... Uh, I think it's funny. Elektra hasn't made an appearance in this TV series. Now that I think about it, has she? No, but I don't, she was mentioned. I don't know who Elektra is. Like I don't know her name. So yeah, I, I haven't really noticed that. But I think it's funny that they didn't go right back to the like recognizable characters from the show from the movie. Probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, it's probably for the best. They're, they're just going from the comic book, so that's okay. Yeah. But no, we're talking about the recently released in April. Uh, Netflix TV series Daredevil, starring Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio as Daredevil and Kingpin. So, Drew, let's start with you. What what do you think about the Daredevil TV show? Well, um, overall, I definitely have positive vibes coming off of it. Uh, like I said, I just finished it earlier this week, so it's still pretty fresh in my head, but it really makes a strong impression right off the bat. And, uh, it doesn't really waver. It feels like it's starting to get a little middling around the middle of the, of the, the season. And then things happen that just, old, just hook you right back in. You're like, holy crap. And then it just really ratchets up after that. And then it ends really well. Um, I will give the ending, like the last episode, in my opinion, the stinker. It is 
<laughs> it, it it goes full on comic book, and I think it goes a little too comic book, in that like he's donned the outfit, they have a a fist fight that lasts forever, <laughs> and it's just I don't know. It felt a little too like he he does the like posing jump thing at the very end with the sticks, and you're just like. Okay, guys, you've been doing a really good job of not making this feel comic-y and kind of campy for the whole season. And then at the very end, you turn it into like some kind of like, and he's a comic book hero now. And you're like, okay, guys, I don't know. It, that that kind of left a, uh, I guess, like a sour taste at the very end. But the show is solid. Like the writing is really good. I felt mm-hmm. like because they wrapped up everything, they didn't know how to like end it the season on like a, a note that makes you want to like see what happens next. So what they did was they just phoned it all in like the very end of just being like, and now he's a comic book guy and here's his pose looking over the city. Um, but everything else, like when that, when it has wheels turning, when it has a story to tell, it does a really good job. I was really yeah. impressed. And I, I should re re mention to all our listeners right now too, that this will be a spoiler discussion. So there will be plot points <laughs> Uh, and things that, if you haven't seen the show yet, be warned. There will be spoilers. But I, I do have to agree. That last episode, especially towards the end, and I, it may just be because I'm not a big fan of the way his suit looks. Either I don't like the way he's wearing it, or I just don't like the way it looks. I think it's the helmet. Yeah, uh, just, there's, there's something it's weird too there. too big, something yeah, it just doesn't look right to me. Like honestly, I like the the look of the Ben Affleck suit better than the Daredevil suit that we get at the end of the series. Uh, honestly, like his because he was in it for so long, the regular like blindfold look, I mm-hmm. kind of liked better. I, yeah. I I like when he actually put on armor. I was kind of like, eh, I don't really like this. You know, it. Um, comparing it to what we were talking about earlier with Arrow. I think Arrow's evolution into looking like the Green Arrow was a lot more natural than this, like, have this guy make your suit. I liked the reason and, like, how they set that up, you know, how it tied to uh, Kingpin's suit. And he was like, where did he get that? You know, I want to get that. And so I liked the way that he got his suit, but I agree that there's something off-putting about how it looks and uh, I would be totally fine if he looks totally different <laughs> in season mm-hmm. two. Like I'd be fine if they do this like Iron Man thing where his suit's different every season or something like that. Um, give give him a yellow suit at the beginning of next season. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Just something, <laughs> something else. Yeah, I I don't know. The suit's the one thing that just kind of put me off. But I don't know. I'll talk about this in a little bit, but. Kingpin's performance was a little interesting too. I know a lot of people liked it, oh and God, I did I like it. Vincent D'Onofrio, but the <laughs> performance was a little different. Sure, um, I liken it to uh, to the different Jokers that we've had, um, just a different spin on it. You know, I I can't think of two Jokers who have ever been similar. You know, every time we have a new Joker, it's it's just this totally weird spin on on this known quantity, and uh, I. Of all the characters, the Kingpin's probably the last one that I would expect someone to like breathe life into. But I, since you brought it up, I have to say this character, this villain, is the most interesting villain I've seen in anything since The Dark Knight. Um, 
and he'd probably win most interesting villain in between <laughs> uh Nicholson's Joker and uh and the Dark Knight's uh Joker because it they did such a great job of making him feel broken and have emotions and have like a normal like a human being's uh screwed up psyche like he's damaged you can feel his like mental anguish and his emotional instability and that's something you would never expect out of the kingpin i don't think i don't know enough about his own like comic book storylines but every time i've ever seen the kingpin represented he's just like he's like e40 he's just like this huge fat white guy in a suit that's just like hey thugs go kill him and (laughs) like that's it I'll get you, Spider-Man. Right? Just some stupid two-dimensional mob boss guy. And Mm -hmm. D'Onofrio's character is just one of the most interesting takes on a villain in a comic book space that I've ever seen. So I I was really impressed. And to be honest, I like to see him locked up at the end, I was kind of like, well, this is stupid. <laughs> I was like, you set him up as this amazing character, and sure, you want Daredevil to defeat him, quote-unquote, but no one ever called him the Kingpin, first of all. He's Fisk. He's Wilson Fisk. And for him, I wanted to see him transition into the Kingpin when Daredevil transitioned into Daredevil, and then you have them kind of butting heads while some other thing comes up in second season like that's kind of how i thought it was going so for him to just be tidally run away to prison i'm sure he'll get broken out but Mm -hmm. it was still a little disappointing for me because i was sad to see that character go i'm i'm really i wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't come back in season two because i feel like he'd overshadow what other uh issues you want daredevil to deal with in season two but we'll see i don't know i thought he was great what do you think of Charlie Cox as Daredevil? He, uh, hmm. So, you know, I don't have a lot of experience with Daredevil, which is, I think, 90% of the viewership. <laughs> so I think it was, uh, it was an interesting casting choice because, like we were talking about with Arrow and Flash and even Smallville, for that matter, like, there's a tendency for people in a comic book thing to be really pretty and really good looking and i feel like this guy i mean he has his moments where he's like laying on the couch like with his shirt off just like i'm uh, just laying here looking all hot or whatever but i don't think he's a like pretty boy he doesn't have like a classically attractive look to him and i think that helps i think it helps him feel like a more grounded normal person you know, so that like when he does off the wall stuff or when he uses his powers or when he's just being damn clever because he's a, you know, like smart lawyer guy, um, that shines through as more genuine than him just being like dashing or whatever. I mean, like with that's one of the things that kind of bothered me about Arrow is like everybody's super hot. Like everyone mm-hmm. looks like they just walked off of a catalog and uh, it's it's really distracting. <laughs> like it does it, it almost makes you not take any of it seriously like the huntress the huntress is this like super hot ridiculous psychopath girl and you kind of don't care about any of her issues because she's really hot and you're just like okay it's just a crazy hot chick but she has like issues and those issues are kind of muffled by 
not really taking them seriously. And I think, uh, you know, the, the issues that you see with the characters in this show, like Frog, Frog what is it, Froggy? Frog, foggy, foggy. Foggy. Thank you. Like, Foggy's a great character. And, I mean, he's supposed to be a bumbling idiot. That's the point. But they picked a great guy to kind of play that role without it being too hammy or too cheesy or too on the nose or whatever. It's a good balance. And I think that that's uh, one of the strengths of this show is the casting is really good. Um as far as all the hopping around and the, the, the like pulling off being a blind guy and stuff, I mean, I think he did a great job with this character. It was very believable. You know, I would believe that that guy was blind, and I would believe that, you know, there was no stunt man there or whatever. I felt like it was shot really well, and he played the character really well. You know, along with that, there's one thing that I was always noticing. Uh, when he was being, you know, Matt Murdock, just the, the lawyer guy, was that when people play blind people, they always, their eyes tend to sometimes focus on the person that they're looking at um, because they, you know, might forget that they're playing a blind person. <laughs> and him, I, I was looking for it, and I never saw him do that, honestly. I mean, there were times where he was looking at the person, but it was because, you know, he would have been at that point, but it wasn't like he was focusing on their face or on their eyes or anything like that, which I thought that was a good job because obviously you would, as an actor or as a person who's talking to someone, be looking for someone's eyes and speak to the eyes. Yeah. So. Um, well, a lot of that's camera angles, but I would agree that it's, he did a, a good job of convincingly portraying like someone who's been blind since childhood. So they don't have, he's not like, looking all over the place his eyes aren't like glazed or anything stupid it's just a natural you know he looks where he's talking Mm -hmm. like a normal person would and there's there's nothing distracting about it it was a it was a good character i I thought it was portrayed really well Mm -hmm. another character that i really liked in this was uh you mentioned foggy who mentioned matt obviously in kingpin uh ben I can't remember his last name. The reporter. Oh yeah, yes. He was an awesome character. Oh yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, he kind of lent a. Uh, hmm. A reality. A, like a maturity. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like he kind of he almost embodied the history of the city. You know, I mean, the, you didn't get a lot of perspectives of the city when you when you boil it down. You weren't in a lot of locations in hell's kitchen you weren't in a lot of locations you know like kind of establishing like here's the coffee shop and here's the library and like it's you but you get this feeling of the history (laughs) of the city from his character someone who's been writing about it and reporting you know his whole life um Mm -hmm. i thought he did a great job of grounding everything to you know the, the he was the conduit for the for the people of the city Whereas, like, everybody else is in this very tight-knit, specific situation. You know, you have Fisk's people, and you have Murdoch's people, and there really isn't a lot else. And he mm-hmm. does a great job of bringing, like, the city and the history and just the the reality, like you said, and bringing it down to earth. Instead of it just being about this, like, conspiracy or this plot or murder or whatever. Yeah. I mean, and there's that those bits with his wife, too, that was obviously pretty... I really wondered why that was happening, like with his wife. Like it was, it was, it it made sense for character development, but 
but I, but I was like, where are they going with this? <laughs> and and obviously it makes sense at the end, but I was just really, I almost felt like it was kind of wasting time. Like I I got why they were doing it, but I didn't I didn't get any like heartstrings for it. So mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, well, all right. I mean, he's get, he has a reason to be stressed and upset. Like that was right. that was really the point of that. Is like he has more on his mind than just being obsessed with what's going on. I mean, if you have a character that's obsessed with this conspiracy that you know is real but nobody else does, that doesn't matter. It's when you have a person who's obsessed with something and they're forsaking or they're almost, you know, they're almost putting off the the thing that really matters in their life, like their loved ones or whatever then that makes it matter a little more that man he's really dedicated and that's that was the best part about her <laughs> at his funeral saying like this is what he lived to do this is why he existed and i love that i love that they i mean that's kind of the 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 main the most important reason for her existence is to say that and kind of give you this like respect for this character and what he went through and and he was really useful. It's going to be weird without him in the next season because how do you have that connection now? Like, how do you mm-hmm. have that? Where's your Where's your Jim Gordon? Because that's kind of what he was, right? Yeah, Around he was the end. The pieces together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised, honestly. Well, I knew when Kingpin showed up at his house that he was goner, first off. But I was surprised that he was actually gone in this first season. I was too, yeah. When it, when when Kingpin popped up for a quick second, I was like, "Oh, he's hallucinating." I was like, "Oh, no, he's not." And I was like, "Well, mm-hmm. now he's gonna kill him." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was a little an interesting little dialogue between the two of them. You know, Kingpin, like, you know, uh, I almost respect you for that, but you messed with my mother. Yeah. I mean, the and that that was a good scene there for D'Onofrio, his acting, his really kind of tapping into that damaged childhood, his mm-hmm. roots. His mother was on his side when his dad was kind of you know obviously not and yeah, his mom he was, was being like his very only protective. friend in his whole mm-hmm. life yeah and it's just one of those things that when that scene came and it happened and it went through it was just a jaw dropping like i can't believe that that just happened and b it was it was sad to see that character go because i had I'd grown, I liked him. Yeah. You know, it's like the saying, you know, other shows, it's like, don't like, don't like these characters because they're not going to be around much longer. <laughs> well, so, um, I, I, th- that scene specifically, it's, it's really the last time you get reminded, Hey, we're, we're not on the CW. This is not on like NBC or whatever. You watch this dude get brutally beaten to death and then you see him die and the camera's just on his face. Just like he's dead. Here's a dead guy, mm-hmm. and you're not getting that in Arrow. And well, it's it's a little bit in Arrow, but you're not getting that in in anything else right now. You're not getting that in Agents of Shield, or mm-hmm. probably not in Gotham. Although I haven't seen Gotham, I would imagine Gotham's Gotham gets there. I, I'm sure I'm sure it tries, but I, I feel like it probably cuts just. I feel like it'd be the type of show that you see a guy get brutally beat up, but you don't see him getting beat up. You see the guy's arm going. And you hear the sounds, but then it just cuts away. But mm-hmm. this shit, they, I mean, they zoomed in on his face like he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, whoa. And then the other, you know, if if we want to talk about scenes like that, the, the big one, uh, when she shoots, uh, 
when she shoots his his right hand man, Wesley. Wesley, yeah. Holy crap, that caught me, man. That that was like as far as the whole show. That was the moment where I was like, whoa! Like I was up on Twitter, like everything just got super real. Like this this show, because that's around the time when I was starting to be like, okay, I don't even. You know, like, I don't care that Fisk's girlfriend got poisoned and blah, like, I just, what is happening? And then when she kidnapped, when he, he basically, when Wesley, like, kidnaps, uh, I have, for the life of me, I cannot remember her name. Karen Page. Thank you. When she gets kidnapped, I, I was just kind of like, well, this is dumb. I was like, now we're going to have a, we've got your girlfriend, Daredevil, you know, like something stupid like that. But it didn't even go that far. She just straight shot him. And I was just like, holy crap wow that just happened and i was really impressed by that because it wasn't a uh cutaway or anything it was a really brutal shot and it was really well done and then her reaction to what she had just done was really impressive as well um she's a great actress by the way is she all right so is she jessica from true blood it's yeah, I think it's the same actress. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's what I've thought, but I, the whole time I've been really, I just never looked it up. I was just like, I think that's her, but I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked her. Um, that that's the thing about Daredevil is it's it's done a great job of kind of not pulling any punches, and it's also f- to like it does its best to remind you. It doesn't do it very well, but or it doesn't do it too strongly but it does its best to remind you that this takes place in the same universe that like like the hulk was like punching a giant space worm into a building you know <laughs> i mean like that happened and then like weeks later <laughs> like we have daredevil like you know hopping and flipping around and kicking people's bullets back at him or whatever mm-hmm. it's it's done a great job of really bringing the scope down and and it it kind of if you watch like the Avengers and then you watch this show, or even if you watch Agents uh, Agents of Shield and you watch this show, it almost impressively demonstrates like, hey, the Marvel Universe has a ridiculous scope. Like they have they have planets that eat other planets, but then they also have like this this dude, this lawyer, blind this blind lawyer guy who like saves you know, kids and stuff like that. Like, and they Mm -hmm. have everything in between. And obviously DC does too with, you know, Batman and the, the scope right there of Batman versus Superman. Like Superman is a guy who like spins the world backwards. And Batman's a guy who's like, you put her down, I'll beat you up. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) but for this whole show to commit specifically to this level of scope and never really go outside the line of like reality, you know, even, even arrow does, quite a bit of like ridiculousness with you know the flashbacks and this this thing just sticks really to to what it to what it's trying to tell you it sticks really closely to a single narrative that it's trying to tell you which i was impressed by i thought it was Mm -hmm. really well done yeah i mean there weren't very many flashbacks there were a few obviously as with him as a kid uh, kind of explaining what for happened like one episode his dad (laughs) yeah well the uh well yeah fisk fisk childhood and then um and then when the the blind asshole guy shows up to uh talk to daredevil and then you find out like that's how he knows how to kick everybody's ass and and like see the color of someone's dress with hearing somehow 
I don't know how that works, but yeah. <laughs> so you have the one of the coolest things about this show. I don't know how you listened to it when you watched it, but if you listen to it with like good headphones, no, no, I just I just watched it on some crappy Vizio TV. Ah, uh, you got the audio design in this TV show is amazing. That wouldn't surprise me. Like it, they they do such they did commit so hard to like his powers and kind of showing off that he has like a gift um with sound and stuff like that like that would totally make sense to me and now now you're like making me want to go back and watch it on a on my Xbox so I can use my Astros <laughs> you should because I mean at least like watch like the beginning of one episode because yeah you can see like it reminded me a lot of uh uh interstellar a little bit with Ooh. the audio design in interstellar recently because <coughs> that movie they had a lot of uh, a lot of silence but also a lot of purposeful noises and purposeful in places that needs to be yeah so with this one with him being deaf and he or being blind yeah. and hearing the everything yeah it, it all has a purpose the audio is just as important as what you see on the screen. So if you if you didn't get a chance to really listen to it, I definitely recommend you watching it again with the ability to listen to it closely. I know, I know which one I want to go back and watch. I want to watch the one with the <clears throat> the fight scene in the hallway. Episode two. <clears throat> that is just ridiculous. That whole thing, and you know that's one of the the talking points of the show when it was first coming out was there were headlines saying like, "Hey, that whole scene was shot in one take." Mm-hmm. When he, from the moment he like entered that hallway, that whole thing is one take, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> That's the first time, really, that. Well, you, I guess you can see it in like Captain America and stuff, but in the Marvel universe, it's the first time you really see someone gets kind of winded when they're fighting, too, because he's <laughs> yeah. he's getting tired towards yeah. the end there. By the time he goes to get the kid, <laughs> but, yeah, and he. He almost like turns into like drunken master, like because he's yeah. just kind of falling into people and like kicking somebody and then just falling on the ground and yeah, mm-hmm. that was great. It, and that, <laughs> that fight is like four minutes long. It felt long. Yeah, but the the shot was so fluid. It was mm-hmm. all one take. It was really well done. Yeah, that choreography was amazing. You know, they mm-hmm. were they were hyping this movie or this show. Um, the stunt coordinator was saying like, this show has the most stunt work of any production ever. Like that was something that they were hyping about it before the show came out. Hmm. And everybody was just like, how can that be? Like in my mind, I was like, how, what? Like thinking back of all the like MacGyver and all the crazy stuff you've seen (laughs) growing up. A team. uh, Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, but that wasn't, you know, look, thinking back, a lot of those, a lot of that was implied. You know, mm-hmm. this has like actual people like falling and dropping and jumping and flipping and kicking and it's it's pretty intense. It's a yeah. It's a really heavily it's an action packed show for something that feels so narrative based and so character driven. There's a lot of action in this show, and mm-hmm. it's not it doesn't feel like superfluous the way a lot of the Arrow stuff is. Mm-hmm. And sorry, that's the only show I'm really going to compare it to because <laughs> before Daredevil, Arrow was the best comic book show on TV. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, it's probably the closest because Arrow really has no superpowers and Daredevil is just yep. kind of, I mean, he has the ability to kind of see things more enhanced than other people would. But 
you look at this show too. You said there's a lot of action, and there is, but there's also a good mix and well-written use of drama, too. When you look at when Foggy, for instance, finds out that Daredevil is Murdoch, that whole that there's a whole episode where he's finding this out and asking these questions, and there, you know, the interplay between those two actors, the two characters, it was really well done. Like you could feel the pain for Foggy, like. I, I don't even know who you are anymore. I what I what I thought I knew. I don't even know if that's real, you know. Yeah, and they didn't go. They, <coughs> they could have gone somewhere stupid with it, where Foggy gets so upset that he somehow like endangers uh, Murdoch or somebody doing that. You know what I mean? Like you could mm-hmm. see a stupid situation where like somebody catches on to to what's going on and just manipulating him. But instead, he just kind of goes. And, like, has it out, just just being upset about it. And then he he kind of goes on his own path. And mm-hmm. they, they eventually reunite on the same path. But it, he got there his own way instead of just swallowing his pride and stuff. He got there out of his own uh, curiosity and wanting to connect dots and stuff. And, and ultimately, everybody had the same motivations. Yeah. And that's why they yeah. buried the hatchet, but... I'm glad, like, because after that, after he found out he had this, like, a, a while where he was, like, over at a bar just drinking, and <laughs> yeah. I was just waiting for him to be like, oh, my buddy is the, the masked man, or <laughs> and I was like, I'm just glad that he didn't go there, because that would have just not felt right at all. The show hasn't really done anything. It didn't do anything too cliche or too stupid. Like, it never really made me facepalm too much which is impressive mm-hmm. uh because it has a lot of room to do that especially when you look at the last time we saw daredevil like it's the whole thing's a giant facepalm like <sighs> so they did a good job there um but i i would agree um <coughs> the uh the tone and the the level of it's, i always thought it was interesting when daredevil would go back to the priest and kind of sit and talk with him and they'd mm-hmm. be really cryptic with each other and there would be this sense of like understanding and I, I just thought I always thought that was really well done, especially when there really wasn't anything there weren't really a lot of revelations during those scenes or anything too interesting uh being discussed. It was really just Murdoch kind of continuing to try to reveal himself to the audience of his character and what he's struggling with and stuff like that. And I always thought that was really well done. I thought those mm-hmm. were handled really well. Cause at first I was annoyed. I was like, Oh, come on. That's like confessional. Oh, I beat a bunch of guys up or whatever. Like it, I thought it was going to be that over and over again, but it really just, it was just him kind of exploring what he's going through. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was well done. Yeah, it was. And, you know, you look at this, this movie, too, we, or the show. I mean, it really is a 13-hour-long movie. We'll just, I mean, say that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You look at, we, we talked about the, the fight in the hallway. The other standout fight, to me, in this uh, show was the fight between Nobu and, and Daredevil. Uh, Nobu with the, with was the, the guy that was, yeah. Okay, yeah. So he's the guy that was like I forget if he was Japanese. I think it was Japanese. Um, yeah, I and think he so. was the leader of the Hand. Right. Which, if that sounds familiar, the Hand was in the Electro movie. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to bring up that again, but uh, also um, the the Chinese woman. Yes. She's gonna be p- playing a playing a part when you get to like the Iron Fist story because they're also doing Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones. And that's going to make them the defenders, right? Um, which is for, which is the whole point of this show. Yeah, this was the launch bed. Yeah, this is the Iron Man to the uh, to the defenders, the way Iron Man was the beginning of the Avengers. Uh, yeah, um, I'm. Who are you? Wh- which one of those are you most excited for? After after seeing Daredevil. Uh, so out of the four, Daredevil was my most excited for one because I know him the most out of those comics. But if I had to pick out of the remaining three, I don't know a lot about either of them really, but just from what I do know, it's probably either Jessica Jones or Luke Cage. Iron Fist I'm not really too enthralled about. Um Yeah, I see I don't know jack squat about most of those characters i've i've seen luke cage pop up in video games and stuff but jessica jones i think i'm really excited to see what her deal is and like i want to go into that show just with wide eyes and just be like Mm -hmm. what is this who what what's gonna happen here um i'm really excited for that luke cage is being played by uh agent Locke from uh Mm -hmm. from ford into dawn Hopefully he does a better job in <laughs> Luke Cage. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I'm excited no, but for seriously. that. I'm excited for <laughs> no, but really, I'm excited for him. Uh, and as a like Halo fan, it's it's going to be excited to see someone because Locke's character is massively important to Halo Five. You know, he's the other playable character, so people are going to be pretty familiar with his voice and his acting style. And then if anybody goes back and watches uh, Nightfall, God help them, um, hmm. they're going to know who he is. I guess he came from uh, The Good Wife, I think, was he was on before all this, uh, which I've never seen. So. Um, but yeah, he, I, I'm excited for Luke Cage, especially because I know that guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But as far as the characters go, I want to learn about Jessica Jones. I want to know who she is, what, what the hell her deal is, what, because she just seems like an interesting character from the, the like minimal, nothing that I know about her versus like Luke Cage's character or iron fist. Like you said. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, do you think there's going to be, do you think we're going to get season two of daredevil before we get the defenders? Do you think we're going to get season two of daredevil or are we going to get, like Luke Cage next and then Jessica Jones and then Iron Fist and then Defenders and then season two of Daredevil so-and-so the way that they've done the movies like you get the Avengers and then you get the Iron Man movie the Thor movie the Captain America movie and then you get the next Avengers movie is it going to go like that or are we going to get like the next character gets their first season while Daredevil's on like season two and then that just slowly stacks until you get a Defenders how do you think this is going to roll out? I I think that we'll get the individual movies or uh, shows. All right. Yeah, sure. shows. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll get the individual shows, and then we'll get the defenders, and then we'll get like season two. But at the same time, when you think of a season, 
you only think about a year in between, right? And I don't think they're doing the Defenders this year. I think that's probably next year at the earliest. So I don't want to wait that long for Daredevil again. So I don't know. I, I, I would assume that they do it. They do the individuals and then they do the group. And then they do another season of the individuals dealing with what happened during the group and kind of moving that story forward. Yeah, I, I, I think it's just it's it's kind of a weird, um, it's weird ground because when you have something like Arrow and the Flash like on TV weekly, and then you could have like a crossover event or something. But with this, like, I feel like they got to shoot it all at once and then you just get the show. The show just comes out all at once. And Mm -hmm. so if you get like a season two next year and season one of something else next year and they have a little crossover or whatever, like maybe that would be the way that they help you help viewers branch out to the other shows. Because Daredevil is the name that people know, even though it's barely a recognizable name like the the Punisher outside of comic books. Um, you could have Jessica <laughs> Jones coming to Matt Murdock for legal help. You well, yeah, you could have so you could have like season two of Daredevil. All of these characters like get referenced or mentioned or brush paths or whatever with Daredevil, and as each of their shows come out, <coughs> they pop up in the Daredevil season. So basically, Daredevil continues on yearly, mm-hmm. and as each new show comes out, they pop in, and that like gets people to go oh what's that oh let me go watch that like that guy was pretty interesting let me go hear what this luke cage dude is all about Mm -hmm. you know what i hope they do is in like luke cage or jessica jones or the other ones is that depending on the timing of the show like when the story actually takes place is if they see if like they're watching the news or the news is on the background they have like kingpins giving his speech you know to rebuild the city or, you know, a picture of Daredevil after he's, like, taking down the cops or something. Reference things out and build the... Like, build, build that a, universe build still. Build a timeline and, like, make yeah. it relevant. I mean... So... <clears throat> Timeline-wise, this has to take place after the Avengers, but probably before uh, Captain America 2. Because it, like... Think about what happens in Captain America 2 with S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA and all that. Even Iron Man 3 kind of was, I mean, that, that would be in the news at some point, you know? So I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like timeline-wise, this happens a little bit after the Avengers, but maybe before the events of any of the other Phase 2 uh, Marvel movies. So <laughs> in Daredevil Season 2... You should see more references to what happened in these movies to remind people that, hey, this is Daredevil. It's its own thing. But this is taking place in this world. I mean, season like Civil War. Civil War has to get referenced somehow, right? Well, I would think that actually Daredevil shows up in Civil War. So you think Matt Murdock's, but like you think this actor portraying Daredevil pops up? Because that's the other thing that we've been kind of running into is... With the exception of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we haven't seen a lot of, like, none of the characters in Gotham are going to be in any of the Justice League movies. Like, none of the actors are going to mm-hmm. be in that. Um, nobody in Arrow or or Flash 
is cast to be in like the Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice movie or any of the any of the Justice League stuff that we see coming that we know of. So how's that gonna work? Like I, I feel like that would be really impressive if they work if they make that happen. If he plays Daredevil in Civil War and then they reference that in the show. Like that I mean it just makes sense in, in our heads as viewers. Like scheduling and like legally and business wise and stuff, if they can pull that off, it'll be really impressive. I'll be really happy that they make it work that way. With Marvel, they've already committed that it's all connected. Yes. Yeah. So everything like Agents of Shield, Nick Fury showed up in Agents of Shield. Um, Kobe Smulders has showed up in Agents of Shield. Obviously, Coulson was in the the movies. Yeah. Um, and then the events. I mean, like, so I watched uh, Agents of Shield after Thor and uh, Captain America came out and after the first season ended. So Mm -hmm. I looked it up and like figured out how to watch the agents of shield season and then pause here and go watch Captain America and then come back in this, uh, this next episode. And it's like, it's really cool how that all worked out, but you haven't seen a lot of like characters. There are characters that are main characters in agents of shield that were in like, two seconds of the Avengers that mm-hmm. like you, you don't realize that they were in the Avengers until they start referencing like, yeah, when I was on the, the helicarrier and you're like, Oh, was he in that scene? Like, huh. I forgot about that. Um, but I think it'd be really cool that I think that's the other thing that would really help these shows help the defenders is if, if there's even the smallest through line that ties them to a, another Thor movie or Doctor Strange, or Ant Man, or or Captain America, and you know maybe the, maybe the last Iron Man movie, like I think that could be something that helps them get more kind of attention so that they continue on. Because I, I wouldn't want this to be. There was a season of Daredevil. There was a, a season of all these shows, and then they did the Defenders, and then that was it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I want them to be successful. I want them to continue on. Um, I feel like the season. If they make a season of the Defenders, that might be a little weird. It's not supposed to be a movie, right? It's supposed to be a TV season. I believe it's, it's a own, season. It's yeah. own series. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's going to be weird. It'll be. I'm I'm interested to see. So we've seen how Daredevil works out, and I want to see how the next one works out. See if it's the same kind of tone, same kind of pacing, and everything. Yeah, there's no. Because if that's the case, there's no it's monster be the, the same week here, the, right? Exactly. They don't. They don't have to do that because they don't care about ratings. They don't care about they. With Netflix, you can tell a constant story right. that goes over the entire course of the series. Like with House of Cards or something like that, you watch House of Cards for the story that progresses over the whole show, not just a week. Yeah, you're looking forward to that payoff in like a later season or a later episode of this thing that they've been building up, instead of it being like at the end of every episode being, wow, glad, glad that's taken care of. Mm-hmm. Because after like five episodes of that, you're like, okay, you know, nothing matters. Like there's mm-hmm. no stakes, you know? Yeah. And Until that's someone like what gets you pushed get... in front of a train. You're just like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like what you get with, uh, you know, with the flash every, every week in the flash. Like if there's a meta human that he has to deal with, He's most likely going to beat the metahuman, and then they're going to be in jail by the end of the show, and then, and then it's cares? on to the next week. Yeah. So, not to derail things, since we are kind of talking about other shows, what do you know about Suicide Squad? Is this going to be... 
something you're that's on your radar also the way the defenders is where it's like this nice little side thing that's not the justice league or legion of doom or something like that so suicide squad is supposedly part of the uh dc universe that they're trying to build up right now with the down on justice yeah uh and all that stuff yeah so I'll be interested to see what they do with it. It's actually probably the most interesting of the movies that they have coming out recent of the announced movies, except for Wonder Woman for me. So I don't know if you know much about what they do, but they're like the anti-heroes or really the villains that are put together to task uh, and get sentence time taken off of their sentence to do this thing. It's it's, su- it's, it's a, suicide missions that they don't yeah. want to send... Like, like, you wouldn't send Arrow or Batman to go do this thing because it's mm-hmm. kind of in the gray area. Yeah, they're bla- like Black Ops. Yeah, exactly. I, I saw the uh, Suicide... There is a Suicide Squad episode in Arrow where it introduces the concept. In fact, at some point, you hear some girl's voice like, I used to be a doctor or whatever, and then, like, somebody bangs on the door. Like, you don't actually see her face, but, you know, it's a reference to Harley Quinn. Hmm. Um dead shots in it and then everybody else is like random characters that i don't recognize uh but this suicide squad has will freaking smith in it big willie style Mm -hmm. wild west (laughs) fresh prince of bel-air is now dead shot what yeah what the (laughs) i don't know Uh, what is happening (laughs) i i I'll reserve judgment <laughs> on all these DC movies until I see them because I don't have faith in very much of any of them right now. I was talking to someone else at work about that, and like we were just talking about the the Batman vs Superman with the trailer and everything. Yeah, and yeah. it was just like, if you think this movie is going to be good, if you're looking forward to this movie, Oof, you are such an optimist. Man. Yeah, it's and I'm like, yeah. it's not putting its best foot forward so far. Nope. They're teasing it, but they're teasing it a little too much, and mm-hmm. they're teasing it in a way that almost feels like they're assuming that everyone is just super excited for it. And people are excited, but not... Like, I'd be excited to see a movie starring Marilyn Manson out of like morbid curiosity. So I'd be excited about that. But I wouldn't mm-hmm. be like, oh man, this movie's going to be the best. <laughs> You know, and I feel like what's going on here is people are excited for this, but more so out of just curiosity. Like, Ben Affleck is freaking Batman. What? Mm-hmm. And like, you make a man of steel. You make you finally bring Superman back, and the second movie you make him like pretty much the bad guy. What the? F- what? Why? What are you doing? There's there's a. The, I think that's the general take right now. Is everybody's just looking at DC like, what are you doing? So you have mm-hmm. Arrow. Arrow's kick right you do the smart move you spin off uh the flash cool good idea then you go we're gonna make a show called gotham what's that it's about all the people you love in the batman universe before they became the people you love in the batman universe when they were just weird and Jaden pickett smith is in it like what why what are you doing it's there's a lot of weird stuff going on with dc and i don't think anybody right now even the most diehard of DC fans are sitting there going like, man, they're just knocking it out of the park so far. Like, no, 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 they're not. They're no, doing some weird stuff. I don't think there's stuff. anyone saying that right now. And, I, and I, you know, I, I think that 
there's something to be said about when you see a property succeed and then trying to go straight for that success is a bad idea. You can't out <clears throat> you can't out World of Warcraft World of Warcraft. It physically mm-hmm. can't be done. If Star Wars can't do it and Lord of the Rings can't do it, then you just can't freaking do it. And then you can't out iPod the iPod. You can't out iPhone the iPhone. You have to do your own thing. And that's when you start getting success. You have to take the step past that thing. You can't try to retrace those steps. And it sounded like that's what DC was trying to do with like, oh, Marvel's got these hit TV shows. We should have a hit TV show. We'll call it Gotham. Like, what? (laughs) Or like... uh. Marvel made all these movies and then they put it all together in this one big thing. Like that's what it looked like with Batman's success and then Superman and then saying, okay, then there's going to be a justice league movie, but you can't do that because Marvel's already done it. So DC is not going to be able to do it. So what I will say to play devil's advocate is they are doing weird things, which is good. So some of it doesn't retread the same steps that Marvel has tread. And that's, that's good for them. But how that's going to kind of take away from the share that Marvel has right now, I have no clue. Like, like I well, think Suicide Squad's a step in the right direction for sure yeah. to do something and you look at you look at, uh, you were talking about the TV shows, right, that DC has, and you didn't even mention one, Constantine, which was on NBC, and it got canceled. canceled. Yeah. So. Uh, Good job there. Like, I mean, yeah. they didn't even... Like Constantine didn't even feel didn't even didn't even feel like it was a DC thing like it was something that they were trying to make happen. See, that's I think I'll I'll give I'll give real big props to Marvel Studios because when when X Men and Spider Man so X Men and Spider Man are actually Sony things but when when these Marvel properties started getting popular it was smart of Marvel to say like okay. We're going to start our own studio. We're going to make our movies. Because when they saw Spider-Man 3 and X-Men 3 come out and everybody was like, what, dude? Like, these sh- these movies were so good and now they're terrible. Like, well, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, okay, we need to take control of our own properties and make sure that they're successful. And they started out with a plan with Iron Man and they've really delivered on it. Twice now. Two whole phases have gone by. And just everything has been more and more impressive. The Avengers is the biggest selling movie or the biggest opening or biggest selling? Second biggest opening weekend. Well, the, the Avengers itself. Oh, the Avengers? Is the um, first biggest selling movie ever or something like that. It has a lot of records, but or it's maybe not it's the opening. biggest movie. I think it might be the biggest opening then. So I think the Avengers was the biggest opening. And then second to that was Iron Man 3, which is mind-boggling because that one, like, a lot of people were really turned off by it. But they did a great job with the marketing and with uh, the Mandarin and all that stuff. And then now the Avengers 2 is, like, the third biggest or second biggest opening or whatever. And, like, so they're doing more and more success. And Guardians of the Galaxy was this huge breakout hit. Like, nobody expected Guardians of the Galaxy to be, like, successful, let, yeah. let alone be really, really, really good and really successful. And now you have, you know, really solid shows. I think Daredevil is probably one of the best TV nerd things I've ever seen. 
You know what I mean? Like, there's no good alien movie, uh, alien show. There's no good Star Wars show. Um, oh, there are. Rebels that, is good. That isn't animated. Right. <laughs> like, there's there's nothing out there that's like super nerdy aside from Big Bang Theory, which does not count. Like, I think Battlestar Galactica is probably the only other thing that I can think of that's like super nerdy and still like a really solid show. Um, I don't. That's not on HBO. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, it's just, it's really impressive what Marvel's got going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they they knocked it out of the park here at Daredevil, honestly. It's uh, a great, a great first run with Netflix. A, a good showing of the partnership, which, you know, after this was aired out and people were able to digest it, one of the things that they were talking about was like, you know, they want to see what they could do with Punisher. And I think they actually announced that because of the the feedback is that Punisher was going to be making his way to Daredevil next or to Netflix next. So that'll be interesting to see them do that. But I think that pretty much wraps up the thoughts for Daredevil for, for me at least this week. Like I talked about the sound design, the music was good, obviously. Um, I, I wouldn't put it in like, you know, the highest of the soundtracks, but it was good. And Bef- the sound design the is tone. always good. This, mm-hmm. The sound, yeah. the music and stuff was really befitting of the tone of the show. Which, very ambient. Yeah, which doesn't, yeah, it's, it is very ambient and it doesn't really have like a, a theme or a thing that you kind of like go away humming later or something like that. I, I thought the opening sequence was really moody and weird, but that lends itself to, to the tone of the show every episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good opening sequence that the, uh, with the it's like the blood falling on the the, the Justice's blind statue yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was really good. So if you were to give like a, a an an out of ten rating on the Daredevil season one, what would you give it? I'd give it an eight. You know, it's uh it's above average. It's definitely a good show. Um when you compare it to everything else that's out right now com- pertaining to comic book uh, characters, it's definitely up there as like one of the best things available today. Um, but I don't think it's on the level of like a Game of Thrones or a House of Cards. Um, but it's close. It's a pretty solid show. I, I was really impressed. I look forward to what's next. You know, I like. Yeah. I was when I first heard about this news of the Defenders of Daredevil and these other shows that are coming. I was like, wow. That's impressive. That's a lot of work to announce all at once. And it was instantly just like, I don't even think I'm going to watch that. Like, I <laughs> probably won't watch it. And when it came out and everyone was like, this show is freaking amazing. And I just got, saw tweet after tweet after tweet after article after article. I was just like, after the first week it was out, I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to go ahead and watch this because apparently it's that good. And mm-hmm. uh, I was impressed. I'm happy with yeah. it. It was, and I would probably give it right alongside you, like an eight, because it wasn't perfect, but it was a step above everything else out there. So it's a it's a good range for it to be in. So I think that unless you have anything else to say uh, for the your entertaining thoughts for Daredevil, I think that will wrap it up. Yeah, sounds good to me, man. Cool. So next week. Uh, we will have a show, and I'm planning on actually talking about a game next week. Uh-oh. But I don't want to announce it just yet, just to make sure 
that my participant will also have completed the game by then. Mm. So if if not, we'll have an interesting discussion nonetheless, I'm sure. <laughs> cool. Um, but I got a question for the listeners and for you, Drew, okay. this week. So we've talked about it at, you know, at length here, honestly. But you look at the, the TV shows that are available, right? That are Marvel, that are DC, that are currently airing. And you see Daredevil on Netflix and the kind of freedoms that they have. And you see kind of the constraints that are placed by broadcast television on these other ones. Yep. If you were able to make a TV show based on a comic book hero, who would it be and what network would you want it on? Hmm. I think I'd go with Wolverine on Showtime. And I say that because a Wolverine on HBO would be a little overproduced to me. I think it'd be a little too polished to have too much of a budget. I want Wolverine. I want to see Wolverine again someday in the light of like the way I saw him in the comics, the few comics that I read. Cause I, you know, in the nineties when I was a kid, I was watching the cartoon. And then as time went by, I I read like a handful of comics ever. And one of them was the death of Superman. So that kind of set the bar a little too high. Um, <laughs> but I like Wolverine when he's just, He's caught up in some conspiracy or seeking the truth and clawing his way through everybody that gets in his way. And it's just him against the world. And, you know, he every now and then butts up against something that's bigger than what he understands and he has to figure it out. And like, I like Wolverine on like a street level instead of Wolverine clawing through Sentinels and getting caught up in some love affair with Jean Grey and stuff. I mean, I want Wolverine, like, out there in the dirt. Like, I would love that. Um, That'd be cool. And I, I pick Showtime because I think Showtime's a little risque, and I would love Wolverine to, you know, get to express the, like, animal side of him. Cuss like a sailor, blood everywhere, ripping dude's arms off, and then just taking home some chick and banging her for some reason. I don't know, man. Like, I just, I feel like Wolverine is, on paper, just the edgiest, craziest, most visceral character in the, like, common Marvel Universe, and we've seen the most neutered version of that guy you could possibly make in every Wolverine thing that you've seen. He's been in every X-Men. So he's been in every X-Men and every, like he's, he was, he has three, no, he has two Wolverine movies and they're about to make a a third one. And then he was in two X-Men movies and I think he popped up in something else. I don't remember now. He's been in all of them because he had a oh, yeah, cameo they had in three, first class. So they had three Wolverine or X-Men movies, and then there was two two other X-Men movies, and they're about to make a third one. I think he's going to be in Age of Apocalypse, and now they've had two Wolverine movies, and they're going to make a third one. So he's like Hugh Jackman has played Wolverine, and we've seen this iteration of Wolverine like almost nine times or something, and <clears throat> he's just lame. Like he, <laughs> I, I think he's super lame compared to what he could be like Wolverine in the first X-Men and then in uh, X-Men United was like hinting at this brutal guy. 
And then that just all went away. And sadly, the coolest thing that I've seen him in outside of any comics, because I don't really keep, keep up with comics, was uh, the, the video game that they made spun off of the Wolverine movie. Um, X-Men Origins Wolverine, they made a Wolverine game. And that thing was nuts, dude. You were destroying human beings, just ripping them apart. And like, it was so brutal. And I would love to see that on TV. Like on on a cable show, you know, on a, on a network where you could see whatever you saw, you know, nudity, cussing, blood, gore, violence—that is Wolverine, and we're not getting that today. Are you talking Wolverine's Revenge? No, um, it was something Unleashed. It was like Wolver, like okay, Wolver X Men Origins Wolverine Unleashed or Uncaged or something like that. It might have been Wolverine's Revenge, but I don't, that doesn't sound right because there was some weird verb to it like unleashed or something like that that game is brutal if you have a 360 and you want to play a comic book video game that isn't batman go play that like it's 10 times better than the movie (laughs) it's everything that you want a movie with deadpool and wolverine in it um but in a video game form nice so wolverine on showtime is drew's answer that's right. Listener, what's yours? If you were able to make any comic book character into a TV show, who would it be and what network? Give us a tweet or send us an email with your answer. You can tweet us at EntertainingPod or you can send us an email to That'sEntertaining at gmail.com. Uh, always feel free to leave us reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. We are available on all those platforms. And again, if you want to tweet us, you can do so at EntertainingPod. Drew, you're on Twitter, and you have a couple other Twitters that you manage, I think, too, don't you? I do. So um, you can follow me on Twitter at Drew underscore Freeman 85, and you can you'll, you can keep up with everything that I do there. Uh, but if you're interested in following us specifically at Podcast Evolved and at uh, Rated M Podcast and at R8DM Gaming are the other Twitters that I that I manage for the network and for the shows that I'm on. Uh, but like I said, if you just follow me, at Drew underscore Freeman 85, you can keep up with everything there. So also check out r8dmgaming.com, ratedmgaming.com. You can get all of our shows and the RSS feeds, the iTunes links, uh, everything. The Rated Ed Gaming Network. That's right. And you can follow me on Twitter. I am at Sith. Nightmare, S-I-T-H-K-N-I-G-H-T-M-A-R-E. So, for myself, for Drew, thank you for joining us this week, Drew. And it was my pleasure, man. This was fun. Yeah, it was It was good to have a nice little long discussion again. Yeah. It's, uh, we went a little bit longer than typical. I should have I done this warning at the beginning of the show, but every time I guest on something, we go a little long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining us, and we hope that you have been entertained.